you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen today and every day. Free and available on all podcasting apps, platforms, and you know where to find it. Uh, top 10 podcast in China for baseball, top 100 in Canada. Let's get it there in the United States as well. We've been sitting in the one teens to 120s to single 100s, have not broken through. We can get there. We have in the past. For those of you who don't know me, I, it's always a surprise, but this could be your first podcast. I am Jeff Ellis. I've hosted... Uh, this week we have passed the 600 mark. I know I didn't label one of these episodes 600. It always gets kind of dicey because there are those like bonus episodes that get dropped in. And sometimes I don't even have any control over bonus episodes appearing. So, I mean, there's a chance we might be even slightly... Th- like, this could be episode 600, honestly. Uh, I think I was looking at the listing the other day and I was at 603. With the amount of bonus episodes, you know, it's about 600, but... I what a slow cold open here. Uh, I am Jeff Ellis, formerly scout, twenty four seven, in pretty much every Cleveland sports blog in some shape or form. Today's show, we're going to talk about the Gold Gold finalists. The Indians have two. We're going to get into those contests. We're going to talk about some old friend alerts and uh, talk a little bit about arbitration and then what uh, what we're hearing with arbitration. So let's start with uh, what kind of grab my eye in arbitration. I was looking at the Yankees, and the Yankees have a lot of money to, in our, I mean, they have a lot of money, money in everything, but when it comes to arbitration, they have 19 players. Uh, you're looking at someone like Gallo at 10.2, Gary Sanchez, 7.9, Aaron Judge, 17.1, Chad Green, 4.1, Jordan Montgomery, 4.8, Glybar Torres, 5.9, I mean, Clint Frazier really hasn't done anything in the big leagues, 2.4 million. It, it, Remember, it never goes down. It always increases. What's interesting, though, Luke Voigt, 5.4 million. First baseman, first baseman can be hard to move. 5.4 is a lot for a first baseman, especially one who's coming off a slightly down year. Now, you've been hearing me talk about Luke Voigt for a while. Uh, he didn't play a ton, but the numbers were not bad. Like He gets rung up for having a bad age 30 year, but it's more because of lack of playing time than anything else. His barrel percentage was the highest of his career. Uh, if he'd qualified, it would have been, uh, you know, top 10 percentage. Everything looked pretty good for him across the board. His his data, when you look at the advanced stuff, just looking at, uh, it's good. There just wasn't a ton of it. You know, only, he only had 139 batted balls. He did not get in as many games as you'd like due to injury. And when he was healthy, uh, the Yankees had traded for, uh, why am I blanking on the former first baseman, for uh, Rizzo. That they had Rizzo there, so he didn't get the opportunities that he typically would. Now, what grabbed my eye and made me talk about Luke Voigt again is that uh, there's talk that the Yankees may decide to not even offer him arbitration. That's kind of crazy to me. It's interesting to think about. Uh, let's see. So he played 68 games, 241 plate appearances. Uh, he is entering his age 31 year. He turned. Uh, he'll turn 31 in February. And, you know, the, the knee injury did hold him back. But, I, again, he had a, he's one of the few players who had a great 2020. Uh, the 2019 season, he was solid. Like, his worst runs created plus was this past season at a 111. So, 
Yeah, he's not winning any defensive awards, but is he an offensive bat? Yeah. What is his overall value? The lowest it's going to be. There's, like I said, if there's a chance the Yankees are going to designate him for assignment, again, lowest runs created plus is a 111. He is not a good defender, but he's still better than Bobby Bradley. I don't know exactly what that trade looks like. You know, the Yankees are probably going to want something to help them now. Uh, you know, I've talked about the, the overall trade value on him. Uh, I mean, it, it's almost, like I say, if they're thinking about the fact that he might be let go, that they may not even want to pay him $5.4 million, uh, it shows that they're not going to ask for much. Part of me honestly wonders, like, could a deal look like something like Nick Whitgren for... Um, for Luke Voigt, because the Yankees do need more bullpen help. Uh, you know, Chapman and Green and Loisaga were good. Holmes and Peralta weren't bad, but you always need more. Uh, Lucas Lutage, Michael King, you know, okay. Uh, could there be a deal in that way? You know, could that make sense? Um, I mean, honestly, more than pen help, they need starter help, but it's like, I don't even, like, none of the Indian starters would you offer in said trade. Uh, it's just, that wouldn't make any sense. That, that's a massive, massive overpay. Uh, you know, basically, if you're looking at something else, it's like, maybe find, like, did, did Matt Blake really like Scott Moss? Like, Moss for Voight is kind of where we are now. Uh, something along those lines. And it's, again, I would consider it. I'm not sold on Bradley. I don't think he's necessarily proven himself to be the future. The data in the minors doesn't back it up. Um, you know, this isn't an, an Aguilar situation where the secondary numbers were not bad. Uh, it just he didn't mash enough. He didn't, you know, it, it seemed like very pedestrian skills. It's not uh, Urshila where he was this ace defender and a good athlete, but just guy couldn't never uh, work to account and, and didn't hit well. And it completely changed who he was uh, in the majors. I mean, something good happened, but I, I'd much rather have a Luke Voigt than a Bobby Bradley. That's just where I am on that. Speaking of first basemen, uh, who are not good defensively, old friend alert, uh, Jake Bowers was designated for assignment uh, by the Mariners, and he passed through waivers, which means he'll be a free agent. Uh, essentially, he does, technically, right now, he, he's on the AAA roster, but because of his um, service time, he will count as a minor league free agent and be able to pick where he wants to go. For those who don't remember, the Indians did get a player for him, and I, I don't blame me for not remembering Damian Cassetta Stubbs. I did a whole section on a podcast about him because 11th round picks are more valuable than I would say 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th round picks because it's the reset on day three. It's where teams often overpay. It's where teams get that guy that they want to get, like a sleeper type of player uh, who they think there is some ceiling upside to. So when you get a guy who was an 11th round pick, that says something. Uh, cold weather arm. The, the interesting thing was, once the Indians acquired him, he pitched one inning in Arizona. That was it. And then they sent him to the Arizona Fall League. And for Scottsdale, he pitched 3.2 innings. 12.3 walk per nine, 12.3 strikeout per nine. I, I don't know anything really about him. Uh, he is a interesting conundrum. He is not Rule 5 eligible. Uh, we'll see if he gets more opportunities or if he was just a filler guy. I don't feel like he was just a random filler throw-in because you don't waste that Arizona Fall League spot on a guy like that. Um, so, someone to keep, you know, periphery eye on. Uh, very low chance of, of an outcome, let's be honest, but there is something there. They liked him enough to send him to Arizona. They acted, liked him enough to request him in the trade. So, yeah, uh, 
hopefully we'll see more of him next year. You know, four, a total of 4.2 innings between Arizona and the one inning uh, with the Arizona team that uh, not a lot we can really see or say. And then one more thing around baseball I want to talk about. Uh, this We've been talking about the Padres because they took Ruben Niebla away from us and made us very sad. But what I thought was interesting was they announced Bob Melvin as their manager on Thursday. And what's crazy about this uh, is, one, the last two failed managers were like no experience, young guys. They went completely the other way. And two, for as much as we complain about the Indians, it is being reported that the Athletics, even though they had already exercised an option, are not getting anything for letting Bob Melvin go. They're just letting Bob Melvin go. And the reason they're letting Bob Melvin go and didn't like push for any type of compensation is the ownership has said they have to cut back. And Bob Melvin was a 60-year-old manager who's been managing for a while, so he was making over $4 million a year. So uh, the Athletics are going to go get a young mind and pay him nothing and use some of the savings right there. So that is, uh, for as much as we can play, like, there's no way around it. The Oakland Athletics, uh, you know, now that uh, Lori has sold off the Marlins and uh, Will Pond is away from the Mets, that group in Oakland is the worst ownership in baseball. Uh, as much as we complain, and rightfully so, uh, we don't have, you know, a top five or ten ownership situation. That's That's not the case. It's probably, you know, in that... 6 to 10 range, because one can also make the case, go and look what's happening with the Mets. Uh, for all the excitement and all that money Cohen brought, uh, no one wants that job. <laughs> People are either being uh, denied the right, like Mark Shapiro was not given the right to interview, which I thought that was a uh, a really crappy move by Toronto. Because you remember, the Indians granted Shapiro the right to interview and leave, and then didn't request any compensation when not only did he leave, but he took Ross Atkins with him. Uh, he took some vital parts of the system when he left, and the Indians got nothing. They just let him go. And then Toronto wouldn't even let him interview. I was like, oh, wow. Um, okay, that is not a good look. But uh, is it the Cardinals GM? Uh, was it? It's a few other GMs have turned down the opportunity to interview. They're, they're aiming a little bit high. I will take the Mets job. I'm just going to put it out there right now. You don't need to interview me. You don't need to vet me. If you want to, you can. Uh, you know, the the worst. I do have some speeding tickets in my history. Um, I never had a detention in school because I had such a healthy fear of authority. I didn't want to get in trouble. So you don't really have to worry about um, controversy. I'm a teetoler, so you don't have to worry about any drinking issues. Um, so I, I'm at least a clean sheet candidate for the Mets. There, there's nothing they need to worry about in terms of uh-oh, we're going to have to fire this guy because he's uh, he's in the headlines. Like, two of their attempted, uh, you know, the current, the manager they just let go, the GM, and then the one they were going to hire before that. Uh, and then I don't have any connections with uh, with baseball, baseball agencies, so I'm not going to make any horrific trades to try to get all of my former clients. So that's, you know, better than their former GM uh, before that, before the former, two formers ago, you know, good old Brody there. And, uh, you know, I'll take the job and, and I'm not going to cost as much as anyone else did hire. And you can, uh, you know, Cohen, you're a data guy. So I can produce all my big boards. You can see how I do. You can judge me against the field and see what you think. I have, uh, I, I mean, you have more data on me than any of your candidates because I produce a daily podcast. So you can hear where I'm right and where I'm wrong. Um, and if you bring me in, 
uh, we are going to raid the uh, the best and brightest minds of the the Indians and the Brewers for uh, pitching talent. Uh, that's that's what we're going to do. That is my plan. That is my approach. Let me know, Steve Cohen, if uh, if you want to bring me in. You know, again, I'm not going to turn it down. It's a guaranteed win, guaranteed hire. You get people talking, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I thought that was that was interesting to be. Nope, we're not going to let anyone uh, audition for. We're not going to let Shapiro out. Uh, but yeah, the, the man, I really got down the hole on this one, uh, the rabbit holes it were, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, he's probably, the Indians have a bottom third man, uh, ownership situation that is slightly buoyed by the fact that he, our owners get out of the way and let managers manage and have created an environment that people like to, yes, we lose coaches every year because it is such a good environment, but you know, people also choose to stay. It is a very positive environment. It's a place where people like to be. And there is some value in that. As much as we will, and I will take the time to rail against him, I think we also have to give some credit. Now, this is giving credit while still claiming he's one of the 10 worst owners in baseball. Uh, but, you know, he's like the 10th worst. He's he's at that very, you know, he's on the cusp. Uh, if they get a, a new minority ownership in place, they can go higher. I used to be the biggest defender I mean, I, I literally wrote an article calling out the fans for lack of attendance uh, a good, you know, almost decade ago. Uh, I was I was that far in the camp. Uh, man, times have changed. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. We're going to come back and actually talk about the Indians arbitration numbers. And then we're going to come back and talk about those two Gold Glove finalists. If you don't know who they are, just take a second to think. You, there's, there's only two choices. Guys and gals, I got a problem. And that problem is Built Bar is so good. Uh, you've heard me on the show talk about pumpkin puff. I bought it. I couldn't resist it. I'm a pumpkin fiend. I'm a Bilt Bar fiend. I went to BiltBar.com. I traded in the points that you built up on the site to get $5 off. I used the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15%. And the nice thing I will say is, even though I entered my $5 promo first, they took off the 15% and then they used the $5 coupon. That gave me max savings. A lot of places do the reverse of that, no matter what you do. I entered them in the wrong order. They still gave me the most savings possible, and that shows... It's not very basic human level, a, a good company. But, you know, good company or not, I'm not going to buy the product if it doesn't taste good. It tastes good. It's what I eat all the time. It's I did not have it today. I took a, a, a you know, today was the, a bit of a break. Uh, I had some leftover pizza and said, uh, because we had conferences, I mentioned the day before, and there was some leftover gluten-free pizza. That got to the top. This isn't about that. This is about Bilt Bar, a company I love, a company I shop with, a company that, uh, you know, I just keep buying. It is a delicious tasting protein bar that is good for you and the best tasting one I've ever tried. Try it for yourself at BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15. Try one of the puffs. Try, you know, find a flavor you like. I was tempted to try the limeade as well, but I, I love pumpkin. I just want one box of pumpkin because I do have some others. I have not finished off my grasshopper yet, and I have not finished off the orange. I'm almost out of banana cream pies, so that's why I was like, okay, I can get a new puff flavor. Check it out for yourself, though, at BuiltBar.com. So I've spent, probably some of you would argue, too much time talking about this 40-man roster situation at the end of the season. And I've gone over stats. I've gone over player options. You know, I've gone in-depth on all of this stuff. Uh, side note, looking at other first basemen, Dominic Smith's arbitration estimate, $4 million. J.D. Davis, two point seven. Je Jeff McNeil, who had a really down year, two point eight. Don't sleep on the Mets. They're an interesting team still for an Indians trade. Uh, but for the Indians, you know, we go over all of this data. 
uh, or I should say I go over all of this data and try to set things up. Ian Happ, 6.5. Now that's something that hurts his trade value. That's why his trade value is, is almost minimal. But man, I am just out in right field, left field as it were, uh, right now getting into this. But with this Cleveland Indians team, with the you know, we'll see uh, if we get new minority ownership, if the infusion of cash from merch, if they do anything to raise uh, the payroll. Otherwise, I mean, in some regards, we really should just look at these arbitration estimates because more than anything else, that is going to inform who is sticking around and who isn't. Because if Bradley Zimmer cost 1.5 and Harold Ramirez cost 1.6, uh, they're not keeping both. They're not paying 3.1 million for both of those guys. Uh, and Josh Naylor is up to 1.2. He's in an arbitration year, so he is getting expensive, even though he may not even open the season healthy. They say he will be. You know, that knee. And, and, you know, I talked about this on the green room this past week with the Mad Thinker and with Andy uh, D.B. Sice. If Josh Naylor had played the whole year and done what he had done up until through June would he even be a slam dunk to still be with this team? Now you, you hold him and you walk him through, but I mean, he is as unproven as a Bobby Bradley. He has yet to really show that he can consistently perform. Uh, if he had done it, like I said, this entire year, I, I don't know if I can make a case for keeping him. Uh, you know, he would be in that same case as like, uh, the Daniel Johnson's of the world, or even, you know, he still has options. So he's not in that, uh, Mercado Zimmer Ramirez situation. But Mercado isn't on this list. So, I mean, Mercado has that advantage right now over Ramirez, over Zimmer. He's the minimum. He is not making, you know, over a million. Zimmer, Ramirez, they're gone. I can tell you that now. Looking at this, I mean, they're not starters. They're not even um, guaranteed bench guys. They're gone. They're not going to pay 1.5, Just move on. Uh, there's a chance they hold on to Zimmer because there is some trade value because he can play center. And there is the, you know, the power people see. There is the speed stats. There's uh, Teams will take a risk uh, hoping to unlock more. Going through the rest of these arbitration, Cal Quantrill, 2.8. Quantrill, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> he's, he's staying. He was awesome. Uh, Shane Bieber, 4.8. Uh, first time, 4.8. So he's going to get real pricey real quick. Let's just put that there. Fran Mill at 4.4. Highest arbitration on this team, Ahmed Rosario, 5 million. Let's just continue to put that with, remember, he. we are so focused on Jose Ramirez and like how little time he has left maximizing the trade value window. Ahmed Rosario has just as long and as of now is projected to have the second highest payroll on the Indians next year. Payroll, salary, that's what I'm going for. Second highest salary on the Indians. Second highest salary... Same years of team control. He is most definitely on the trade block. And you announce him as your starting shortstop for next year. So if you do get into any trade talks, it is, you know, I'm going to do a whole show on this. I've been thinking in depth about like how the shortstop market's going to play out. Uh, I, I've sat there with a pen and paper and written out. I've sat there while going to baseball savant, looking at the outs above average, looking at age, looking at production per year. I could write a thesis on the shortstop class. And why did I do this? Specifically so I could figure out where Med Rosario could make sense because they are lining him up as a trade asset. This is 100% what it is. He was league average, which is fine. He's an athletic league average player. Uh, the Indians could use more league average guys. And you know, we had the question yesterday 
about, uh, you know, getting those plus guys, you know, those kind of like averages guys on the fringes that some of the other can like that the Rays had with Wendell and Diaz. That's, that's Ahmed Rosario. He is more in that Diaz window level than he is, um, above it, but he's a shortstop in name, <laughs> not necessarily in play, but in name and not everyone judges shortstops the same way. And due to him being a former high-end prospect, due to his athleticism, due to his relative youth. I mean, he hit the majors quickly. That's why he is uh, so close to free agency already. There, People are willing to give him more slack. So again, just keep in mind, it's certainly the more you look into it, the more trading a med seems very logical this offseason. Nick Wittgren, you made $2 million last year, and that's what I've talked about. It doesn't matter how bad you are, raise comes 2.8. He wasn't good, but 2.8. That's why, again, he's gone. They're not paying him 2 point. Now, he was projected to believe, I want to say, be 2.2 last year, and the Indians and him uh, came to an agreement at 2 even. So he came in under his estimate. Maybe that happens, but I also think after the year he had, you know, he's getting into his 30s. He is likely um, someone they move on from. And then Austin Hedges at 3.8. I wouldn't be surprised if he does something like signs for 3 or 3.2 if they talk to his agent like, we can't do 3.8, you know, we can't do this, but we're willing to just give you this. Like, we'll give you the security, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable here, let's get it done. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs a contract ahead of time because I do think they have an interest in keeping him. Wickgren, Zimmer, and Ramirez, Sia, you know, let's, we don't even have to look at stats. We don't have to look at options. We just got to look at cold, hard cash, and we know how much that matters. Those three players would be together an estimated, estimated about $7 million dollars saved three guys would you rather have seven million to go get the next eddie rosario or <laughs> i know calm down uh or you know play those three i i however they use it i think it's a better investment to consolidate and use it in one spot on one player maybe go out and add something uh mitch hanniger 8.5 million just saying uh, mariners though after trying to compete last year i don't think they're trading him but, uh, you know, we talked about Luke Voigt at the top of the show, 5.4. That, that's a good chunk of that. Trey Mancini, 7.9. Uh, Anthony Santander, who had a big down season, would be a lot easier to acquire, 3.7. There are some names, some players to look at, some things to consider uh, when it comes to uh, how they can reinvest that money uh, and how to use it. And then you can just go and look at all the other factors, and you add them in, I think it becomes very easy to see that the Indians are moving on from those players. We're going to take a, another commercial break, come back, and talk about those two Gold Glove finalists. And do they deserve it? Where do they rank? Find out in a moment. Bet Online, you know them well. They've been with us for a while. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot. For all basketball and football action this season, head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive that free 50% welcome bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So I've yet to tell you who the Gold Glove finalists are. But I, I mean, you got to figure it out, right? I think everyone knows pretty easily that it's Straw and Ramirez. Is there really any other candidates when it comes to Cleveland Indians? So let's first talk, start talking about third base. 
Uh, we go over to Baseball Savant, and Jose Ramirez is the second best defensive third baseman in the American League. Uh, four, fifth best in all of baseball. National League definitely had a tighter grouping, but the top defensive third baseman, it's still by a significant margin, is Matt Chapman. Uh, outs above average, 10 more than Jose Ramirez, 4 more than Cabron Hayes. He adds, it, now the thing for the Indians are is that uh, the success rate added is actually for Ramirez and Chapman the same uh, at 73%. It's just, and it is also interesting that to a player's right, Chapman is not as strong. But to a player's left, he just, that is where he, he's better than anybody. Uh he just he does it all well. Uh, Jose, it's it's a situation where it's nice to get on the podium, but Chapman is just unreal. Like no one competes, no one comes close. Uh, it really shouldn't come as a surprise that for as good as Jose played this year, uh, that he is you know on the outside looking in when you're stuck matching up against someone as good as Matt Chapman. Now, if you did miss the rating, the uh, the finalist list, the kind of I don't know for me cool fun part is the fact that. Uh, Joey Wendell is the other player, and he was the third best uh, defensive third baseman. That's right, good old Joey Wendell, third best defensive third baseman in the American League. Uh, something like eighth overall in the National League. It was just a little bit more top-heavy of that position. Uh, center fielder is the next place. Kevin Kiermeyer has been the man for years there, but now you have Miles Straw and then Michael A. Taylor of the Royals, who I believe just signed an extension with them. Uh, when you look at the data here, this is a little bit closer. So the interesting thing is the top five are all in the American League. The The first guy off the ballot for center field was Cedric Mullins. The number two National League guy at six, that's Brian Reynolds. You know, those are two guys we talked about a lot. And you have to go all the way down to 10th to get your third National League candidate on this list. By the way, sitting there at 12th best defensive center fielder in baseball, Bradley Zimmer. Uh, so if he was in the National League, he would be, and no, I now I want to, I have to reopen that article, because Garrett Hampson mostly played second base, but he also played some time in center. I, I was just kind of assuming, because it had been matching up, they'd go that way. But the American League center fielders just run circles around the National League center fielders. Yeah, no, Garrett Hampson, uh, and he didn't qualify as a second baseman, so their third rated one is Jackie Bradley Jr., who was more of a part-time player, and in terms of added outs above average, he is quite a bit down this list. I am still scanning to uh, 23rd. Interesting, because I thought they were using more advanced stats for these. At least that's what they did during the strike year in general. But yeah, so that's, you know, we talked about this idea earlier in the show, that there's still some trade value for uh, Bradley Zimmer. It's this, right? Uh, he's 12th best, not even playing there all that often. Uh and his success rate at 94%, that might be the highest. No, it's the second highest to Byron Buxton. Again, he didn't have as many games to build up the outs above average, but there's enough there that shows that Bradley Zimmer as a center fielder is a potential gold glove center fielder. Uh, he is a top 5% of baseball base runner. His power potential is plus plus. He's got to go to the right team. Here's the thing. Any player the Indians let go this offseason, the one that has the highest potential is still Bradley Zimmer. I, the chance of him hitting it are very low. But if he could go to the right situation, you know, it just comes... How much you trust the Indians coaching up young hitters? 
I don't. I just, I don't. Uh, Zimmer in the right situation, if you're the right team and you have a good coaching staff, he'd be someone I target. And that's why, like I said, other teams, I'm talking to other locked on hosts, are like, well, what about Zimmer? Uh, I, I think we might be surprised. If Jake Bowers netted you a random pitching prospect, uh, Bradley Zimmer might still end up netting you something. But in this contest of who prevented the most runs, uh, 15 outs above average to 13, Taylor to Straw. Uh, success rate 91% for Straw to 89 for Taylor. Uh, success rate added slightly higher for Taylor. Uh, both kind of the same in terms of like to the left or to the right. Uh, Straw is interesting because his outs above average, much better. He must see it better off a right-handed hitter because he does, like Taylor is an even split, but Straw is a nine to a four. Uh, in terms of uh, of those 13 runs added, uh, more a majority of them, you know, it's what three quarters essentially uh, come against a right-hander. So he must see the ball a lot more clear off right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters. Uh, Taylor should win it. Again, the Indians are likely to finish second. Taylor was unbelievable out there, uh, but Shaw has a case. And again, I'm not going to sit back and complain that the guy they traded for at the deadline, who was an above league average hitter is going to be, you know, second best defensive uh, center fielder in the American League and third best behind uh, Harrison Bader, who we've talked about many times on the show, who is known as one of the elite uh, center fielders in baseball. That's right, he's better straws right now than Kevin Kiermaier, and they have five more years of team control. And they got him for a spin rate darling reliever who had yet to establish himself, who San Diego couldn't develop. In uh, Maton, San Diego, that organization before they added Ruben Niebla was the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, they could not do anything with pitching, and the Indians kept benefiting. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. We thank you again for making Locked On Indians your first listen every day. Uh, if you're like me right now and you're kind of excited by what the Cavs are doing and Evan Mobley in particular, go check out uh, John Hollinger has a podcast on our network. Uh, I believe the Hollinger and Duncan one is on Scout, but Hollinger does some work. He is, he's honestly my favorite basketball analyst and has been, so I was very happy when he left the Grizzlies to get back into uh, analysis. I read everything he writes, so uh, I go. I would recommend his podcast on the network. I've recommended, and the Cleveland ones are always great to go to. Chris and Jeff, uh, check them out as well. I've been Jeff Ellis. Follow me at on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Remember to rate and review. Download daily. If, if if you can't rate and review, I'm not good about that myself. I don't think I've left a review. But at the same time, most of my podcasts are like the big timey ones. You know, like I love How Did This Get Made? And I've been listening to like How Stuff Works for God, 15 years now. Uh, but, you know, I always feel like they don't need it as much. My show really needs it. But still, even more important than that is downloading daily. Like if you can just download every single episode, set it to play in the background, even if you can't like listen that day. Uh, if you just set it to play, turn your phone over, do the work you got to get done, that that would be helpful. If everyone did that, that'd be huge for this show. Uh, I've been, like I said, Jeff Ellis. October's done. Last show of the month. Uh, thank you all for listening. The fans are what allow the show to continue to be successful and carry on as it is. Uh, and as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.